Welcome. Welcome to the First Capital Vineyard Podcast. In this season, we're exploring our faith journeys and stories. Everyday Christians with extraordinary tales of hope, faith and love. Our stories make us who we are. They are a powerful means of encountering and sharing Jesus and His kingdom. So sit back, relax and enjoy. Kia ora tato listeners. Welcome to the third episode of Imago Day. Thanks to everyone that's been listening, we've had an awesome response. And I say we, as Caleb Clayton, has put a lot of time and effort into uh, producing each episode, so thank you, Caleb. On this week's episode, I really enjoyed talking with Tessa Beatty. Toward the end, we discussed her passions for the kingdom, and I mentioned she's a connector between people and God, and that I really see that in her life. But I also think she's a superb communicator, both visually in her design work and through her words. So without further ado, how are you going, Tessa? I'm good. Yep, I'm hanging in there. <laughs> what have you been doing in um in the lockdown? Um, we've been working really hard, actually. It's been a major juggle trying to keep both of our working hours up, so... I've got my work hours, James has got his, but we can't do any at the same time. So it's meant quite a few evenings and Saturdays of, yeah, rushing, frantic actually. And then trying not to get too bitter about everybody who's writing about having too much time. (laughs) Yeah, um, we've got the same problem because we're Mm. both working as well. But I've been a little bit more lucky because I've got um, holidays at the moment. But I've still been having to do bits and pieces as well. So, mm. yeah, it's pretty. Um, it has got some pluses. Like oh, yeah. I have actually found that I've spent. I mean, it's awesome spending more time with the family, but it's mm. also been awesome spending more time with God as well. Mm-hmm. Which is, um, you know, I mean, we should be able to fit that in anyway. But I've found just having so much more time just great in that respect for like reading the bible and that sort of thing yeah yeah it's a super intense time but it's got um quite a few major silver linings i reckon Mm. yeah absolutely um so yeah let's just get straight into it and um the first question is how'd you meet the lord what's your story how did you come to I guess get that personal connection with um, Jesus and, you know, were there any like um, kind of peak moments where, you know, you felt like that relationship kind of got closer? Mm. Um, yeah, so I met Jesus when I was four and I can't remember meeting him. Um, but at that point, my parents were living and working in a cafe in the Hauraki Plains and they were working really hard and I was going to kindy, I think. And I had a friend there who um, came from a Christian home and they offered to take me to church with them. And my parents were like, cool, free babysitting. So they sent me along. Um, and I don't 
remember my experience and I don't rem- I don't know how many Sundays it was before I came home to mum and said I didn't see Jesus but he just popped into my heart and um mum and dad were actually really um offended by that <laughs> they they got angry as soon as they heard that which is quite funny like um oh you you how dare they brainwash my daughter and you're like well what what did you expect you sent her to church but they weren't expecting that, I guess, or they weren't expecting me to feel like I had actually experienced God. And so I think I asked a few more uncomfortable questions over the next wee while. And so the next time the pastor came into our ch- into the cafe, um, dad got really stroppy with him, which is quite funny as well, because my dad's not, you wouldn't really describe him as stroppy. Um, but he kind of put his foot down and said, what are you doing to my daughter? What's going on? And the pastor was like, oh yeah, great, great. We'd love to talk to you about it. Yeah, yeah, come on, sign, <laughs> sign us up. And so um, at some point they went out the back, the, the cafe was attached to the house and um, one day after closing time, they, um, and I think I was in bed as well, so it must've been at night. They um, told mum and dad the gospel told them about Jesus and they uh, were ready for it and accepted Jesus that night. Um, My dad started speaking in tongues before he knew what it was and my mum was freaking out (laughs) because that was pretty weird. And yeah, I I guess I don't remember that, but because of that, because of me experiencing Jesus at that age and then my parents making that decision, their lives completely turned around uh, was quite a dramatic change for them and meant that I grew up in a Christian home for, for all of my memory. Mm. So you came to the Lord first yeah. and then basically miraculously through that, your parents came to the Lord as well. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, that was good. And, yeah, and then so, you know, like through the years, like, do you, do you feel like your relationship was always the same or do you feel like even though you came to the Lord when you were four, do you feel like, um, you know, in your teen years, there were major points where you felt like um, your relationship cha- changed with the Lord or became deeper with the Lord? Mm, yeah, definitely. I I guess kind of at, as I was growing in awareness of the world and everything I was growing in awareness of God and towards him I think that definitely in my growing up years um, that was the trajectory was learning more about him and and coming closer to him I got um, baptized when I was 12 and then when I was 13 I joined an outreach team at school um, which was such a cool thing like I would really love to be able to replicate it for our youth actually um, it was a probably about a class size group of kids between 13 and 17 where we would do like um, these Holy Spirit boot camps where we'd learn about speaking in tongues and praying for the sick and um, all these other kinds of ministering in the Holy Spirit, um, some crazy stuff. And then we would go and do outreaches and some of them would be weeks long and we would preach and we would sing and dance, act and uh, minister in the Holy Spirit at the end of it. So this is what I was doing when I was 13 and 14, and it was just like so exciting to me because I was partly because I was just part of a group of kids who were so excited, um, and also because before that, faith had been something that adults owned, and now it was like 
this is my thing um, and I can experience God and I am as much a part of the kingdom as any adult ever could be. And it was, yeah, super, super exciting time. That only lasted for two years though, which I was really devastated about when it ended. Um, and I think, yeah, that I guess took some of the outward expressions of my faith off the boil. But I was uh, super zealous, I guess, or um, I had a very vibrant faith as a teenager. I remember um, I would have these crazy quiet times where I would dance around the room with a Swiss ball or my stereo playing worship music, um, just like crying and singing and um connecting with God in different ways or I would journal heaps or go for these big long work walks lots of singing prayer where I would just start yeah praying out loud but it would be in my crazy um off-key worship style um yeah it was a very vibrant faith but I guess the older I got the more I realized how weird I was and how um or at least I perceived myself to be out of it socially. And I guess my faith became more kind of internal. Mm. And then I went to uni and things changed again. So just sticking with the school years mm. for a bit, yeah. like were you sharing the gospel, like, or, you know, talking to your friends about Jesus and stuff at that time? Uh, yeah, I went to a Christian school. So everyone was getting the Christian message, but, um, I was quite black and white and I definitely saw myself as like a real Christian when other people weren't maybe I, I was I was I was so judgmental um, and I guess seeing other people's faith sometimes as nominal or whatever and so I <laughs> I did do quite a few quite ev evangelistic speeches for the English class speeches um, so, yeah, I think I really shoved some stuff down people's throats, actually. Nice. Mm, yeah. <laughs> um, and then you were saying also that uh, things changed when you went to uni. Like, mm. how did things change? Um, I think life completely changed for me because I had grown up on a farm um and not feeling like I was popular or had, I had good friends, but it was kind of our group of um, outcasts and misfits is what I kind of thought of us as. Um, so I didn't have a super social life. Um, I was, yeah, I spent heaps of time with God. And then I went to uh, to uni and it was like constant socialization all the time when I went into the hostel. Um, it was super intense doing the design degree. And so it was like, I guess, just a total change of life style. Um, and I think the first thing that changed was not spending those like um, big solid chunks of quiet time. of Because I used to kind of treat it as like dating Jesus where I would like spend a whole evening once I was away from the family or my responsibilities just with Jesus. But that wasn't, that didn't happen anymore once I moved into the hostel. Um, 
and I got a boyfriend and yeah it was it was really really different I think also having grown up in a Christian school in a Christian family and the oldest in that family I had really strong ideas of um of being good and needing to be good and um academically but mostly morally so I like black and white ideas of um how to be a good person and I hadn't felt any temptation in my life when I was at school and so I didn't understand why anybody would fail my standards of goodness because why would they it, it just seemed stupid to me and then when I got to uni I through all of these changes suddenly temptation was a, a big part of my life and it wasn't long before I was doing things that I didn't want to do or I knew were wrong and I was repeatedly doing them and so I had in a sense still this really high view or standard of what I wanted to be achieving but I was consistently not there and so it was a season of huge guilt and shame and self-hatred really um, and disappointment at the same time as not wanting to give up on the ideas of goodness or let anybody else realize that I wasn't that so it was like this kind of I wasn't lying but I was living in pretense um, if that makes any sense I didn't want to give up looking like I was good or being a good example I guess that was drummed into me growing up as well um, and I think when you've when you've grown up in a religious environment or when you have a religious kind of spirit I guess some people would say you're always looking for ways to justify what you're doing so I did quite a lot of that as well so there'd be like this warring of like I hate what I'm doing I hate who I am but on the other hand how can I manipulate what I think to be right to exclude what I'm doing if that makes any sense like how can I go right up to this point without actually going to what I think is wrong and still call it right does that make any sense at all? Yeah, it makes um, perfect sense. So, like, basically trying to justify your behavior so you can maintain yeah, yeah. this moral code. Yeah. yeah and, and, and so do you mean, like, searching, you know, for arguments that supported your position or do you just mean more inside your head? I'm, I mean more inside my head, like, oh, I'm not doing this thing, so I'm okay. I'm not doing exactly what it says that I shouldn't do. Um, I've I've gone up to this point and no further or something. Yeah. If that makes any sense. And so were you going to church at this stage? Yeah, like yeah. so yeah. yeah. So was that was that C V or was yeah. that somewhere else? Yeah, that was C V. And I always loved C V and there was yeah, there was never a sense of 
I want to be away from God. I, yeah, similar to some of your testimony, I think, um, maybe when you're 10 years, where I, I guess there's just a disconnect. But I, the whole time I wanted to be with Jesus, I just um, was so disappointed with myself and started putting up, I guess, walls between me and him because I couldn't accept, yeah, I couldn't accept his grace that it would come to believe in me. Oh, yeah, so kind of closing off parts of your heart yeah, to him or and like, feeling like kind of compartment. You go. Or feeling like you have to pay the price before you can enjoy him again. You know, like you have to pay the, the your penance um, that you can't. Um, and it's true, like it is oil and water. You can't um, be pursuing one you can't be pursuing what kills you as well as what gives you life. So it, it wasn't, it was incongruous. Um, but then because I felt like I couldn't cut off what was killing me, I also felt like I couldn't reach for God anymore. Like, so I was going through the motions, like I was going to church and I was, trying to connect with God, but I guess, yeah, there's that wall inside you where you're like, I, I'm here, but I don't think you really want me here, or I don't think I deserve to be here because I haven't paid the price. It is so stupid when you hear it that way. You're like, that's why Jesus came. <laughs> so you were expecting punishment or the consequences mm. of your actions. Mm. Or I was punishing myself, I think, yeah. Um, so what changed? Or has, I hope, I hope <laughs> Yeah, this is my big um, reveal. <laughs> no, um, I had to make some really hard decisions to end that part of my life, what was happening. And it was the hardest thing ever, actually. <laughs> Uh, like it was, uh, and it led to such a season of grief and confusion. Because um, I think, you know, when I was a teenager, or at least I perceived in my memory that I had this really vibrant, close relationship with God. Um, but that had kind of, you know, dropped off through the practicalities of life that I just wasn't devoting the time to Him anymore. But then also this feeling of guilt that was like a wall between us. And so by this point, it felt like our, my relationship with him had kind of shriveled to nothing. But then I felt like that I came to a decision point where I had to decide either way which direction I was going to go. And so I, I knew what I should do, but I did feel like I was doing it alone, like it was a faith step into nothingness, I think because I didn't feel like God was there anymore. But I still, I guess I knew that there was no other way I could go, but what I felt was right, even though it felt like misery at the time. Um, and he did save me. 
like I, I really think that I raised the white flag. Like I said, okay, I made, I made the vital decision, but that it was God that pulled me out. Um, and I think part of that was, um, part of that God used James, um, and part of it was like long, a long time of healing and um, being set free from the temptation first and then the torment later uh, uh, over quite a long time. Mm. Well, that's um, fascinating. All stuff that I was totally unaware of, even though I was, I was kind of there. Mm, actually, it feels really vulnerable to talk about it because I, yeah, as I say, I didn't want to yeah, I guess I'm a perfectionist or a performer. Like I like to earn earn favor or whatever, and I didn't want to look any other way. Even though, of course, I never thought anyone would expect me to be perfect. I still wanted to essentially be perfect, you know. Um,
So moving forward, like, so this was, that, I mean, that was quite a few years ago. Yeah. Would you say your faith's been in a pretty stable place ever since? Or have you had any kind of um, doubt or any experienced any other sort of things like that along the way? Um, I, I guess I would say stably unstable. <laughs> like... Yeah, definitely doubt. I definitely feel that, um, and I definitely have periods of believing lies more than I believe the truth. Like I think uh, lies about who I am and who God is. A, a recent one has been struggling with: Is God as good as I think I am? Is God really good? Is His good news for us really good enough? Um, yeah, definitely I go through seasons of all sorts. <laughs> mm. So with the God is good thing, have you read or experienced anything that has helped answer those questions? Um, not in terms of books. I did have, I was going through quite a, a thing last year because of some things that happened where I was, um, yeah, really desperate to know God's goodness and not seeing it. And I went to the Vineyard Conference actually that you were at um, and I was like, I was so raw and desperate when I went out there and uh, that, that on the first session there was an altar call and I was like, I'm up there, <laughs> I'm going, I'm going up there as fast as I could. Um, and three people prayed for me and they all talked about God's goodness, um, which was really, really cool. So no, I didn't read any um, books or life-changing articles or any or podcasts or anything, but um and I don't really know how straight it is in my head either, but when you have confirmation like that from three people who I had, or two of them I'd never met before, and the third didn't know what was going on, it's, yeah, it's really cool. Mm. That's really interesting because um, I know for a number of us that went to that conference, like it was a real... Um, turning point mm. um i know um caleb clayton it was really important for i i felt myself that it was like um not so much a turning point but a confirmation of heaps of things that i'd been thinking for a while and so yeah it's that was a really cool time mm. and it now there's you know now i know that it was for another person as well mm. that's cool so moving moving along a bit, um, you've talked a bit about it, like how you used to dance in your room and listen to worship music and stuff like that. But how do you experience the Lord? Like how do you, um, what are the situations and ways that you kind of feel God's presence the most? Hmm. This has been probably the biggest, 
the hardest thing in my walk with Jesus in this period from the uni debacle <laughs> to now um, has been, for the most part, not really experiencing God or at least not experiencing him in the way that I think everybody else is, which is really hard to... Yeah, it's all predicted because it's all what I imagine other people are experiencing, but it's still, um, I guess, actually is a point where the enemy comes and pushes my buttons and says, are you really a child of God or are you really doing it right because you're not doing, you're not feeling this? And so it, it's quite weird being in in the vineyard where there's um, a huge amount of emphasis on intimacy with God and experiencing him and I believe it all and I long for it all but I don't um when people say God said to me this I feel jealous because most of the time I don't or or I don't know if any time in my life I've been able to say that's the of the Lord and that I I know that he said this to me I've I sometimes, I have senses, um, but it's very easy for my doubting mind to afterwards go, oh, that was probably the coffee. <laughs> Are you sure it happened? Um, so yeah, I want to say that is my, my thing. And actually, I think it is, I guess, part of the journey of being a pastor's wife or whatever is like, ah, what do people expect of me as like some super spiritual person or something? Um, and is this another way to fail? Um, but I'd kind of rather be honest about it. I do though think that I feel God um, in feelings of peace when I come to him in prayer when I journal um, or when we're like in, especially when I'm praying with other people or or very intentional prayer and there's that feeling of peace or if I'm trying to make a decision. I remember um, Marty always talking about the, looking for the green light of peace. That's been hugely helpful for me making decisions where I've never felt um, like God said to me, do this, this is the path that I want you to go on, but I have felt um, a total peace to do something and I know what it feels like to not have peace so that is a an experience of God I guess for me um, I think recently I've been realizing that God speaks to us in our thoughts and I've been aware of a few times when it's like a moment of absolute clarity where everything seems right, like it makes sense. It all, everything lines up and feels like it does make sense to me and it lasts for a second and then it's gone and I'm back to my foggy-headedness of life again. But I have to trust that there was that moment of clarity where, some, where there was revelation, I guess, um, was, the, was God ministering to me um and I guess also when I get 
um, downloads of creativity or inspiration, sometimes things come to me faster than I can think by myself, you know, in the speed of your thoughts. And it when they come to me, like, and I'm excited and I've got an idea and I, I feel like that couldn't be me. And I guess that is the beauty of being a designer is that I am forced to rely on on Holy Spirit for creativity that I don't have. I know that I don't have the ideas in my head that I need every day, but he brings them. Mm. Um, that's awesome. I, yeah, I think like sometimes um, I heard the Lord's, say something is just code for what you were describing like where every like it's almost like your mind goes into a state of peace and there is that clarity and clearness mm. I mean I really relate to that and sometimes I just shorten that to, and the Lord spoke to me yeah, or, true. you know I heard the I heard the Lord say mm. like this um, I'd say there's very few occasions where I felt like it's never been an audible voice outside my mm. head, but just an absolute moment of clarity that really um, strikes home, mm. like right into my being. Yeah. And that's how I would sort of describe hearing the Lord, like the voice of the Lord. Mm. So, I mean, yeah, I think, well, I'm certainly in that boat. Mm. I mean, I do experience the Lord in some other ways, but I really relate to that, that, um, idea of everything sort of lining up and kind of the calming of your thoughts and you have these moments of like clarity that's like mm. that's really cool mm. yeah I don't know if I answered your question right at all if you're talking about in what ways do I get close to him was that actually what you were asking um it's just any way that you experience the Lord basically mm. So like it could be um it's it's definitely what you've described. Mm. Yeah. yeah, recently I have been um trying a little bit more of singing prayer and um other kinds of prayer as well, which has been quite exciting. And definitely feel um definitely feel yeah, definitely those peace feelings or the ability for my heart to be turned towards him is more when I'm uh, journaling like basically all my prayers since I've been 13 was not all of my prayers but a lot of my serious praying has been on paper and or just now when I'm grabbing a moment um, out of the clothesline or where I'm by myself and often looking at what he's made yeah Oh, so that's really interesting. I didn't, I've never, so when you mean journaling your prayers, you basically just sit down and start writing out like what you would, yeah. what you're saying to the Lord. Yeah, and I've done that since, yeah, since I was 13. I, I, mainly because I focus better, because my mind doesn't wander when I'm writing it down as as it would if I'm just kind of sitting there in silence, then... I end up thinking about the thing that I need to do next, but if I'm writing, I'm not. Mm. Oh, I think I want to try that because 
I find, um, yeah, praying in a really intentional way very difficult because my mind is just hopeless mm. <laughs> at staying on one thing. Yeah, it's really weird having a record, though, of what you've prayed. Sometimes it's encouraging because you look back and you're like, oh, wow, that, that's so different. That's not even an issue for me anymore that God has actually answered that. It's amazing. And the other times you're like, oh, wow, I was so clever then and, and I knew all that stuff. That's amazing. How did I forget that? You know, like I've had to learn that lesson three times since then. <laughs> oh, it's cool that you've got a record. Like all my records are in my head. Mm. Yeah, which is not very reliable, is it? Well, mine isn't anyway. Um, I guess finally, what really gets you um, pumping in terms of like the kingdom of God? Like, I guess this is a few things. Like, this is about you know what you're really passionate about and what gets you really excited in terms of church and your own life. Um, but also, you know, maybe what you think your calling is or you know, where you really feel like you want to be heading maybe even in the next um, few years or whatever. Mm. So you can kind of interpret that how you like. Mm. Well, I would really like to know what my purpose is. <laughs> and I don't, um, definitely not in specific terms. Um, and I really, really would like to know. I think, though in vague terms, my name means... Um, harvester or gatherer and I think that that is partly true of why I'm here I um, I definitely have a heart to bring people to Jesus and to bring them together that I think has been an innate part of my personality and something that I've always tried to do in whatever setting I'm in um, seeing people know the love of God know God as a, a loving person who wants them. That's what I want. I, yeah, I, I think that the salvation that Jesus offers us is the only thing really worth having in life. And I, I want everyone else to have that. Um, so I guess it's, it's partly wanting people to be whole and um, and find salvation. And it's, to me, connected to community and the church um, and us together, which I think is partly why I, I am so on board with the church and doing what I can to... Um, I guess try and love her like Jesus did. Mm. Wow, that's awesome. Um, just as you were speaking, like I kind of, the feeling I had was that you're like a connector, like you connect people to each other and um, to, to the Lord. Like a, a, an essential kind of um, conduit, if you want, mm. like between like the those three things, mm. and um, I've seen you working in that way, like just at church, like just um, 
not necessarily in the forefront but doing what you do is making those connections between people and and god mm. so i don't know if that means anything to you but that's okay. just what i mm. felt when i was talking mm, thanks oh you were talking actually. <laughs> cool thank you yeah so that's that's basically us thanks so much for like sharing your heart mm. cool Thank you.